Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Helping to eradicate extreme poverty by humanizing the issues that surround it is the mantra and the mission of Sydney Sherman, my guest today. Some background. Sydney's volunteerism includes promoting environmental and wildlife conservation in Cambodia and closer to home with organizations like Refugee Services of Texas. She mentored high school girls through Chick Tech, an Austin-based nonprofit dedicated to increasing the number of women and girls pursuing tech-based careers and helping them stay in the technology field. She also built and ran a small business that connected administrative assistance with local startups, nonprofits, and other clients in Austin. And back in the day, Sydney worked for a small ad company and also ran Monty and Joey, a dress company she started while in college. But it's what Sydney is doing today that certainly has piqued my interest. She's the co-founder and CEO of Fair.Shop, a new kind of online marketplace that promotes and expands fair and ethical trade practices by selling ethically sourced products, from beauty and fashion to home goods and necessities. Headquartered in Austin, Fair's vision is a world without poverty where everyone can, quote, thrive in a dignified, economically sustainable way. So let's meet this hands-on visionary. Sydney, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And so you are joining me from Guatemala. Why are you in Guatemala? (laughs) Yes. So about a year ago, last February, December 2018, I came here. I'm constantly studying Spanish. So I came here to study Spanish and the economy in Guatemala, as you can imagine, is not great. So there's really not a whole lot of opportunity. And being in the business that I'm in, I hate to see things like that. So we ended up starting a collective here where we bring recycled denim from the U.S. and then have them uh, sew designs into the denim that we resell it. And so that's why I'm here. We, I come back every three months, spring. There's no post, um, so I can't ship anything in and out. So I bring myself with the denim here and then have the ladies. So they're amazing. It's incredible what they can do. And then I bring it back to sell it. Let's talk about how you started Fair Dot Shop. What was the catalyst? Right after I graduated from college, I did like an around the world backpacking tour The last place I went to, which was not the last place I was supposed to go to, but I was in India and it was my second time there, but it was my first time in some of the major cities. And I was just seeing along my entire trip, I was seeing a lot of extreme poverty in mass, but really there, it just struck me like the, the level of poverty there is like nothing I've seen in Africa, Southeast Asia, um, Latin America. I don't know. It was just, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. So when I was there, I actually went home. Um, I ended my trip and I just started studying like what was happening in this space. Why was there such extreme poverty and what kind of were the solutions to that? And so I started looking at business as an option to end extreme poverty, because as amazing as nonprofits and charities are, they really are not the most sustainable method to kind of creating change on a massive level like that. And so I figured you know, business could potentially do that. If we all start practicing better business practices, paying people fair wages, like we can bring people out of poverty. What I also realized is that it's actually not very expensive to pay people in those countries um, a living wage. So it seems like a very reasonable thing to get into. And so I started a marketplace uh, so that I could support other businesses that are producing products ethically. And then we want to start our own lines and 
really try to advocate for change like across the fashion industry as a whole and then other industries. So what year was this that you went to India? I graduated in 2014. So it was 2014. Only five years. All right. So forgive the patronizing. You're really young, aren't you? Yes. Yes. What made you think you could pull this off? I mean, there are plenty of other people that have gone to India and are horrified by the poverty. Where do you get off to do this? So I grew up in an entrepreneurial household, and I think that's a huge support system that other people don't have because, you know, I grew up seeing people take a lot of risk and create things from scratch. Uh, And really just after studying the industry for a little while, I started another business knowing that this was my end goal. And then, but I, I knew I just needed more experience. And then also I went back and got an MBA in entrepreneur entrepreneurship specifically, which helped a lot. But it's really a question that I ask myself all the time because it's really tough and, and why me? But I always tell people the hardest thing about being an entrepreneur is really just controlling your mind. And I think if you believe that you can do something, then you might as well give it a shot. And I think the worst thing that can happen, which, you know, we've taken money from investors and I have employees, like it's a very scary thought. But when I have such a big mission, like I almost feel obligated to take the chance to do it. So yeah, very valid question, but I guess it's just determination and the willingness to take a risk. Well, as I said in the introduction, you have this street cred with starting a business, a dress company, Monty and Joey, and then you work for a small ad company, and you also did volunteer work. So this is not completely alien to you, but not for nothing, India can be overwhelming. Yes, it can. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, the first time I went for a wedding, and it was incredible, and I was immersed in the culture. It was really cool, and I was also really sheltered. And then when I went back to the city, it was completely overwhelming. I ended my trip or I just couldn't even like process the kind of poverty that I was seeing. So, yep, great word. <laughs> so take us on this journey, because that is basically the foundation that led to FAIR, F-A-I-R-E dot shop. And for those who are not familiar with that spelling, in French, that means to make. So I graduated from my MBA program, and I still had this other business that I was running. And so I knew that I wanted to... I wasn't sure if I wanted to sell that one or when I was going to start FAIR. FAIR had been the end goal for years at that point. Uh, It was the focus of my MBA program, like thesis. But really, I met with a woman who started a nonprofit called the Miracle Foundation, and she focuses on orphanages in India. And she introduced me to someone who was like, you know what, I'm going to India next month, and I will just start looking for vendors and products. And I was like, whoa, I am so not ready. I've done nothing. But I mean, it's just, you know, those little interactions that are kind of the catalyst for doing things. Sometimes you need a little bit of a push. And so her offering to do that, I was like, you know what, the door is opening. And if this is what I ultimately want to do, like, I just have to take a leap of faith. And so I started working on a website, we just at first used Shopify. So it was relatively easy to set up, of course, there are lots of challenges and in working internationally and also with technology in general. But yeah, that was it. I mean, she just said she was willing to go and help us find um, vendors. And I said yes and threw up the site. Did people come to you or did you have to go out and really sell? We had to go out and really sell. So at this point, we had an empty website, right? And we're trying to get vendors to sign up. 
Our model is very similarly to Etsy or Amazon, whatever you're familiar with, where vendors upload and manage their own profile and they drop ship. And so I had to convince sellers to get on an empty website. And that was really difficult. And I was also running this other business. And so I was absolutely drowning in work. And at that point, both my husband and my mom said, you know what, we're going to help you. And so both of them came on to help me. And my mom, Terrell, uh, she started working on finding sellers. That was her sole job. Just every day she was emailing sellers, like, please join our site. This is what we're trying to do. I think we can do more together. Like we want to help you find customers. Uh, And so eventually we started to get some people on our site. And I think there was one seller that uploaded a hundred products and that was like a miracle back in the day. Mm. And so we added all those products and with that one seller and a few others, we launched the site on December 7th. 2017. So tell me the role of the sellers. They're putting up their ethically sourced products for me to buy? Yep, exactly. So we source vendors and we verify everyone that comes on our site. So we then eventually hired someone pretty soon um, after I started speaking to that woman about going to India. So that was September when I spoke to her. So somewhere between September and December, we hired Heidi. And she vets all of the companies that come on our site. And then Basically, they just place their products on the site and we spend our money to drive traffic to their products because that was one of the things we found is that for tons of other niches, there there are marketplaces where there's like a, one big power putting in a lot of marketing dollars to bring people to their websites like Etsy for crafting mm. um, that really amplified the crafting space. And so we wanted to do that for ethical. So our money goes into the technology. We want to offer a fleet of services to help them run their businesses more efficiently so that they can focus on what's the most important to them. And then also marketing. And so, yep, they manage the shipping. They manage the production. Um, they manage their like sites on our platform. We just do the marketing and technology piece. So where do the profits go? So we take 15%. So 85% of the profits go to our vendors. And we tell all of them. It depends on the country they're in, the mission they're working on. There are a lot of different factors. If they want to raise the prices on our site, because 15% in the U.S. is really not so much, but that might be a huge cut of profits in somewhere like India or in Guatemala, for example. And so sometimes they'll up the price of their products. So they're still getting 100% of what they initially planned for. And we get, you know, an initial 15%. But then, yeah, 85% goes to them. A lot of them are mission driven, and also are involved with some charity or nonprofit. So they'll also pledge some of their uh, profits to different causes. And then FAIR also pledges some of our profits to different charities and nonprofits. So where, for the most part, does the 15% go? The 15% goes mainly to marketing technology. You know, we have some employees, but we're all virtual. So there's really not a whole lot of operational costs, but we invest, um, like we're building an entire platform, hoping that we can provide, because if you think about how many software products are out there for small business owners, it's really overwhelming. Mm. So we're trying to pick the best ones and implement them on our site, inventory, management, shipping, tracking, shipping label, printing, just financial management, just really anything. And we want to create a hub for them to run their businesses on that connects to other marketplaces, their websites, like really anything we can do to make their businesses more efficient um, so that they can focus on helping more people out of poverty or whatever that might be. 
And then also to marketing, we invest pretty heavily and marketing. So most of our 15% goes to those two. Talk about the beauty and fashion products as well as home goods and necessities. What precisely are you selling? We want to have everything. Like if you want to clean your house and also help people out of poverty, like you can do that. And one of the coolest things that I found in the space is it's actually not more expensive. So of course, some products will be more expensive depending on the business model of the people um, involved. But Across the board, the price of ethical products is not as expensive as people think it is. It's just a normal price. So we're just providing a place for people to buy everything they might need Mm -hmm. in one spot that also does good around the world. So that's the concept. Of course, you know, we're almost a year and a half old, so we don't have everything yet. We have a lot of beauty, home goods, clothing. And what we try to focus on is just normal products. Like I think there's a stigma in the space that buying ethically means you're buying something that looks homemade or that looks like something that you would wear in another country, but maybe not in your everyday life. But I buy all of my clothes from fair and I look like I would buy my clothes from anywhere in the U.S. It's not anything different. And what's even cooler, there are some items on the site like our denim line that I was talking about from Guatemala that are uh, very unique. So not only are they something that looks like, you know, a normal product, but it looks like something you could buy in a shop in New York, for example, but is unique to you. Like we don't design any two items the same in our denim line. And so we have other sellers that do that. And so that is, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about shopping on our site. In this year and a half, how have you managed to get the word out? Is there much more work to do? Oh, gosh, there's much more work to do. I mean, I've been happy. Like the first day we opened, we had sales. And I think that, you know, there's there are other ethical marketplaces that exist, definitely. uh, But there aren't any that are trying to sell everything like we are. And so there are some, you know, organic searches that people will do and they'll they'll come up with fair. And that's been really awesome. Um, But you know, the work is never done, especially if we want to take that many people out of, we want to eradicate extreme poverty and help a hundred million women. Like it's, there's a lot of work to be done and we really want to advocate in this space. So we're really never going to be done trying to convince people to buy ethical products over regular products, because what we want to see is, is eventually it's strange to not buy something that pays a, a living wage and whatever country it's sourced from. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest challenges is we have to, as a marketplace, we have to bring consumers in mass. Like we can't just have like one customer at a time. It really has to be a very large sum of customers in order for us to be profitable and for our vendors to thrive. So how are you reaching out to everybody? So we do a lot of uh, social advertising that's been successful. We've had a lot of people visit our site from our social ads, um, What we're working on now, we're trying to partner with nonprofits and other related businesses so that we can kind of cross promote because there are tons. What we want to do with nonprofits is donate five dollars to every sale they bring us. So uh, if you have a nonprofit and you're listening, then let me know because I would love to help you. and, And obviously that would also help us. What I see is a really important step in this space is the partnerships because there's no way we're going to eradicate extreme poverty on our own. So by bringing other people into this mission, that only helps further it. And so that's one of the ways, um, of course, SEO marketing, really anything online. We've started to work with some influencers. I am really interested in working with influencers and like 
the sports space. Like I think that is something there's a lot of influencers that focus on ethical specifically, but I think that, you know, one of our promises is environmental sustainability. So working with people that are, you know, living and breathing in the outdoors all the time, Mm -hmm. I think they would find it important, but yeah, a lot of online and then also some markets and those have been surprisingly successful for an online shop. Talk about seeing the fruits of your labor. So really when we hear positive feedback from sellers, which one of the benefits that I didn't think about starting this company is I'm working with some of the like kindest and most generous people I think on the planet because they're so focused on helping people that they're just such a pleasure to deal with most of them. And well, so that seems like a no brainer, Sydney. I mean, yeah, you know, what, know, what schmucks would be doing this, you know? Yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Not many. So <laughs> um, hopefully not any, but you never know. And ultimately what we're trying to tell people is that it's good for business to do the right thing because that's the way that consumer trends are going. So maybe some schmucks will enter down the road. But... <laughs> You'll be converting them. Yeah. So anything, any positive feedback from our vendors makes me very happy. And then of course, like I'm one degree removed most of the time from the actual work on the ground. And so when I'm doing that, we have an Africa line, we have um, this Guatemala line and anytime I'm interacting with them and like, they're just so grateful for the work. That is, I mean, the biggest reward. Are you on the road a lot? Always, but I love traveling. So it's Guatemala today. And then will it be Africa a month from now? One of the best things about being an online company, like we can source sellers online all day long. We reach out now, we reach out to 250 every week. And so, and there are tons of ethical sellers, which is amazing to me. We mainly do it online, but yes, I'm going to go to Africa over the summer. Um, I'm going to do more of Central America. Uh, over the summer as well. And then I'm going to Europe to meet with some people that are working in the space. But I also travel by design. So, so Sydney, when you step back and look at this, are you not blown away by what you've done? <laughs> I mean, yes and no. I try to get myself to stop and like look at our progress. But with the lofty goals that we have, it's And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, like it's really hard to stop and look back at all the like amazing things you've accomplished because there's, it always just feels like there's so much more to do, but it's a really good practice because I don't know, I can't speak for every entrepreneur, but I know that I'm really hard on myself. And so by stopping and like taking in all the work that like myself and my team has accomplished, yes, it's, it's pretty exciting. Who's working with you? We have Heidi, who I mentioned. Um, She's our verification officer. Every company runs through her. We do not allow them on the site unless they've been verified by Heidi. And she has like 25 plus years in the field. So she's amazing. Such an asset. Um, But the entire team is incredible. So I still am partnered with my mom, Terrell. She's still managing sellers. And she also is managing the lines, except for the one in Guatemala, um, because it's in Spanish. So (laughs) it's a skill that I have. Uh, And then... We have two women working in marketing, Macy and Haley. They're so creative, so amazing. I don't know what I would do without them. Um, They're also very young and highly dedicated. So it's been really exciting to see this relatively, I don't want to say inexperienced team, but very young team accomplish things that much more established businesses have accomplished in such a short period of time. 
And then we also have Zachary and Megan and they work in business development, some stuff just helping me, but then also working with sellers directly as like a support system. So with the exception of Zachary and I'm guessing your husband, this is all female. Yes. Don't you think that speaks volumes as well? Was that a conscious act on your part? No, it really wasn't a conscious act at all, but it seems to work really well. I mean, what we really want to accomplish is to have a very diverse team. And it's been easy so far, obviously, to source women for our internal team. Um, It's a company that was built to help women specifically because we're the most adversely affected by poverty. Uh, So I, I don't know if women were just naturally driven to apply to work for the company or what that looked like, but that's been easy. What's been harder is keeping our investors and our advisors, 50% female. Ah. Um, Overall, like we strive for diversity. What do you want to do that you haven't done already? In the short term, technology and marketing, just more, more, more. Um, And then in the long term, really, like I talked about the advocacy, but we also want to do a lot more like education and support for our sellers. And we really, really, really want to start working with the most marginalized groups. Um, because they're probably the most isolated. They are the most isolated and they have the most trouble getting online and like managing shipping and production. So that's really the end goal. Like right now we're working with people who are working with those groups, but if we can develop a way so that they could just work as solo entrepreneurs or in a cooperative, just them on their own, then that would be amazing. Where are they? Any developing country, really, I think a lot of, you know, when I was traveling through India and Africa, seeing like the incredible things that they had in their markets there and just thinking of ways to get those individuals online. And same with, you know, Guatemala, like I'm managing this project, but these women are more than capable of managing all of it on their own. So really in any developing country, especially the smaller towns. Is there something that you want to do beyond fair.shop? I would love to do advocacy, whether that's working with like international governments. I have no idea what that looks like, but something just bigger because it's going to take not only business, but a lot of the very restrictive policies that are in place are actually due to a lot of these governments. So trying to work with them in some capacity would be a dream come true. Don't you feel, though, at the risk of putting a damper on it, that that's like pushing a massive rock up a hill? Oh, yeah. No, I'll have to be ready for a lot of uh, brick walls <laughs> to push through. But yeah, no, it's it's not anything that I'm necessarily looking forward to now. But I think ultimately it's something that someone has to do, and whether it's me or I can support someone else doing it. Yeah, no, it sounds like a very tough, tough job. Entrepreneurship is one thing, but this dedication of trying to make the world a better place. How were you exposed to all of that? My parents are very, like, very generous and just across the board good people. Um, And I don't even know if I realized how amazing they were until I grew up and saw not only, like, other family groups, um, but then just, like, seeing them as an adult. So I was raised in, like, a very moral household, very solid values. But Yes, I think it's something like even when I was little, like I just really remember my heart just went out to like immigrant families or like when we would travel to other countries, like for some reason, I just always felt really attached to groups of people that were kind of like outside my world and that were, you know, had the same skill set that I had, but didn't have the same opportunity. What about what's in your backyard? 
what I really like to work with in the United States is the immigrant groups, because I think that, you know, you look at like entrepreneurs and how many immigrants are contributing to that. And just like how our country was built on that and kind of the place that our country is. How we've lost sight of that. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so that's something that right now I'm really interested in because I like to be surrounded by differing opinions. It's difficult to (laughs) sit down and talk to people that think very differently than I do about some of these issues. But I think it's important to understand where they're coming from. So that kind of stuff is what interests me right now at home. So how do people find you and get in touch with you? How do you get the word out? So our website is fair.shop. So no.com. It's F-A-I-R-E dot shop. And um, our social handles are fair.shop. Really, I'm available. And I love talking to people that are interested in this space, who have differing opinions about this space, who have questions about really anything at all. So I'm very available. Hey, Sydney, are there enough hours in the day for you? Um, (laughs) no. And yes, I have been, I would say that last year it was just a grind. And this year I'm trying to intentionally make more time to what I call being open to like miracles or opportunity. (laughs) Um, so I'm trying to change my mindset on the amount of time that there isn't a day because it's interesting. I've been talking to a lot of working mothers. I have zero desire for children. I don't know life or now, but no desire. But I've been wondering, like, how do these business owning and running women manage children as well as a business? And they say, you know, you just become more efficient. And there are a lot of things that we do that we don't actually need to do. So I'm taking a look at that. But (laughs) talking to people is one of the things that is important to me. So I'll always have time for that. So clearly fair.shop is your children. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My head is spinning from you. You're a whirlwind and you're also young. The world is a better place because of you and Fair.Shop. Clearly, you know that. Well, thank you. It still means a lot. And I'm also in awe of you. So the feeling is mutual. Sydney Sherman on the road. I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you very much. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein.